glad that you're here. We're in week number two of a brand new series called uh, Because of You. And last week we talked about three of our seven core values. And we said this. We said, because of you, we started Stuttgart Harvest Church. And here you are. And last week we talked about because of you, because you love your family and your friends and your neighbors and the people you work with, you invite them to meet the very same Jesus who is at work in your lives. And because of you, this church is growing. And so I, we talked about three core values that we have, and uh, of the seven anyway, and we talked about how um, God loves you and accepts you as his creation, which is really what has drawn all of us here to Stuttgart Harvest Church, because we didn't feel judged, we didn't feel uh, uh, separated or isolated, uh, even though we know our lives are imperfect, we're, we're moving toward and striving to be what God wants us to be, but we could do that with the freedom without feeling judged and set apart because God loves you. No, he does not love the things we do when we choose wrong, but he loves us deeply, his creation. And so we also talked about how we believe that serving is just something that we do at Stuttgart Harvest Church, that we don't wait until our lives get better and get in order to begin serving, but in fact we serve as part of the process of getting better. And this morning, even we had new folks serving with us. It was just exciting to see that process. And, and we also believe, we talked about community, how God has called us together to grow as a church and, and to encourage one another and to learn from one another, to love each other and to encourage our, each other as we're uh, journeying together with God. And so that's what we largely do and are learning to do in our small groups. And so you heard uh, Donnie and Cole this morning even talking about the small groups. Last week we talked about those three things. Today we're talking about something a little different, but it's something critical about who we are as a church. Um, and so I, I, as I look at my life, there, there are some things that I see that are important. You know, just like in our church, we have seven core values that are so important to us that we want to do our best at seeing those things happen. And even in my own life, there are things that are important to me, and those things... I find a way to do. And so uh, at some points in my life, I have asked people, hey, please remind me about this. Don't let me forget this. Don't let me forget that. And I learned a long time ago that, well, my, all my friends were idiots. And so they, they couldn't remember anything either. I'm an idiot. They were idiots. It just didn't work out. I do have one friend here who reminds me every single week to do something, and that friend is not an idiot. I wonder, because he's not an idiot. I called him an idiot this morning because I grouped him in with all my old friends. He's a new friend. He's not an idiot. He reminds me every single week to do something because it's important to me. So I sometimes have people remind me of things. Maybe that works for you. Um, it only works for me with him. So, um, there, so maybe you tie a string around your finger. Uh, maybe I, I used to do this too. I, I used to write it down. I'd take a marker and write it down on my hand or, because it was important. I didn't want to forget it. But then I realized, I'm a fat guy. Fat guys sweat, and it all comes off into a big blob. So at the end of the day, all I could remember was, blah. I got some, somehow I got to do blah, and I don't know what that is. So I'm fat and an idiot. It just doesn't work. So I figured out how to remind myself. And you may not know this. You're free to use this method yourself. Um, I, so I send myself text messages. You can do that, you know. Type in your own phone number and send yourself a text message. And right now, even my phone as I speak, I've got a list in a text message of about 20 things I'm trying to remember to do. And I'll remember to do it because guess what? I check my text messages. 
and it works. But here's what I'm saying. What is important to me, I find a way to do it. I find a way to remember it, and I find a way to actually do it if it's important. And that's, that's what works for me. And you're the same way. You have some way of remembering and doing those things that are important to you. We all have that. Now, here's something that I can do, and I do it sometimes. I say to you, this is important to me, and then I don't do it. Have you done that? I do it. And, I, and, and, I, and it is something that's important to me. And then I think to myself, but why didn't I do that? And here I figured it out because it's not important to me. That's why I don't do it. I can tell you it's important, but if I don't do it, honestly, it's not important. It may be important, but it's not important to me, or else I would do it. And the thing is, you are very much the same way as me. We can all tell people that this is important to us or that's important to us, but if we don't do it, we're telling them, no, it's really not important. In fact, if you look at my life and if you watch the things that I do, my actions, my decisions, my behavior, you will know by my choices and the things I do, you will know what I worship. And this test is 100% accurate. We may not want it to be accurate, but it is accurate. If you just look at my life, my decisions and my choices will tell you every time, they will point every time to who or what I worship. Now, it might point to myself. And your life might point to yourself based upon the decisions you've been making and your choices and your behavior. It might point to you and say, I am worshiping myself. It could point to another person. I mean, there are times in our lives it could point to a boyfriend or it could point to a girlfriend. And listen, to I know this sounds weird, but it could even, it could even point to your child. And it could say, I'm worshiping this person. It could also point to something that's not biological. It could point to money or a career or a car. It could point to some kind of substance if you're addicted. It could point to just good old plain fun. It could point to anything. And you know, it also, it could also point to Jesus and say, you're worshiping Jesus. But one thing that's true, 100% of the time, our lives point toward based upon our decisions, choices, and behavior, it points toward our object of worship. So this brings me to a question, because naturally we have met together as a church this morning, and so we ask this question, what place does God have in your life? Now we want to say that God gets first place, top priority, but is that the truth? Because it often sounds like this. We say, man, I, but I think God understands. I mean, certainly God understands that my life is busy. I mean, certainly he understands that sometimes we have to work more than one job to cover our expenses. Certainly he knows that that leaves us busy and that leaves us super tired. Certainly God understands that. 
And certainly he understands that sometimes in our lives we had a bad childhood or a bad growing up experience. And so now we're trying to make sure our children don't have that. And so we're, in, we're involved in all their activities and we get them involved and help them be involved in all these activities. Certainly God understands that we're trying to avoid something from the past and give our children experiences that we did not get to have. Certainly God understands how involved we are and he knows that this is good and that this is a good thing and we're trying to better our children. Certainly he understands. Certainly he understands that not necessarily... Does he have to be involved in everything? I mean, certainly he knows that, that I love him and I want to follow him and serve him, but what does that have to do with what I want to do this weekend and hang out with my friends? Certainly he knows I can have things that I love and I can love him at the same time. Certainly God would understand. But does God understand? I mean, does God just simply say, Oh my word, you're right. I mean, listen... I'm going to have to cut you some more slack because, I mean, when I was here, we didn't have baseball. That's pretty awesome. We didn't have hunting. I mean, yeah, we had to go hunt and fish, but it was to live. We didn't get to go enjoy it. I mean, y'all have some great TV shows. I mean, Touched by an Angel. I mean, there's some good stuff out there. Yeah, we didn't have these things. Jesus said we wanted entertainment. We had to go for a walk and play with rocks, and that's it. Certainly. We want Jesus to say, certainly I understand. Those are some great activities. So is it okay? Is it okay that God might find himself in our lives in second place or third place or fourth place? Is God okay with us saying that, yes, we love you, but not actually proving it with the way that we live and our actions and our choices? Is God okay with not being first place in our lives? And so I think this question all revolves around this one single word, and we used it just a moment ago. The word is worship. It's all about worship. This is a worship thing. And worship is one of our core values at Stuttgart Harvest Church. So this morning, I'm going to go as fast as I can because I want to catch you up on an Old Testament principle, kind of a law. God created some laws that are out there that just happen. And they're just part of being. Just like there's physical laws like gravity, there's also spiritual laws that just happen. They're there. God has put them in place. And we're going to talk about one of those laws this morning. These, these principles function whether we admit that they're there or not, or whether we want them to or not, or whether we participate or not. They function. I mean, we are walking around here because of gravity. And we can say we don't like gravity. We don't approve of gravity. It doesn't fit with my worldview. Gravity but it still functions, and it's there whether we admit it or not. It's there. There's some spiritual laws like that just as well. 
And this morning we're going to talk about one of those. And it's called the principle of the first. And today what I'm going to be sharing with you is something that I have learned from a man. His name is this, Robert Morris, and he's out of Gateway Church in Texas. And this for me was something that as a young adult I didn't really grasp and I spent a lot of time wrestling with some things that are really answered here in scripture and also answered with this principle of the firsts. And that's why I want to share it with you this morning. So in order for us to do this, we can't start from here. We're going to have to go back to the first. So let's look in the book of Exodus this morning. We're going to cover several scripture places this morning, so you may not even have time to look all these up on your smartphone, okay? So do your best to to make a note of the reference of where we are, and you can go back and, and dig into that later on your own time. But We're going to start in Exodus chapter 13, and now let me give you some background here with using this scripture, okay? Exodus 13, we're going to start with verse 1 and 2. Verse 1, very short, says, Then the Lord said to Moses, so here we go, this is God speaking to Moses, and he's giving him now this principle. Verse 2, Dedicate to me every firstborn among the Israelites. So he said, everybody that's born here among this nation, among people, people here on earth, the first." are mine. Dedicate them to me. The first offspring to be born of both humans and animals belongs to me. So God is basically saying this. I have placed you here on earth and I'm giving you everything. I'm, I'm, I'm giving it to you to not own. I'm giving it to you to manage everything. People, animals, your environment. You are the manager of all of this. A steward is the way the Bible, that's the word the Bible uses, but it to us means manager. You are the manager, not the owner, the manager. But he said, the very first you're going to give back to me. You're not going to manage the very first. You're going to straight up just give it back to me. Then you'll manage the rest. That's what he said, firstborn, man, animals, all of this. Now let's go to verse 12. He talks more about this. Same chapter, verse 12. You must present all firstborn sons and firstborn male animals. Okay, so give me your firstborn of animals and your family. They belong to me. He said, the animals... Firstborn male and animals, they belong to the Lord, for they belong to him. Verse 13. So this is now Moses telling the people. So here's what God said, and now I'm telling the people. Verse 13. Now he goes further. A firstborn donkey. Now, a donkey, just to give you information, according to the Bible, there were two types of animals. Animals that were considered clean by God and animals that were unclean. A sheep was considered clean. So if a sheep, when a sheep had a baby, that baby was offered to God, back to God, in this form as a sacrifice. All right? It was clean, so they offered that baby, the firstborn. If an animal was unclean, for instance, a donkey was unclean, a firstborn donkey, verse 13, may be bought back from the Lord by presenting a lamb or goat, a young goat, a clean animal, 
by presenting, so the unclean animal can be redeemed, bought back, by presenting a clean animal as sacrifice in its place. But then here, listen to this principle here. But if you do not buy it back, you must break its neck. In other words, if you don't, if you don't redeem it, if you don't offer it as sacrifice, the, a clean or unclean redeemed, a clean sacrifice, if you don't, then you're going to lose it anyway. Does that make sense? Offer it to me, bring it back to me, or you're going to lose it anyway. And then he says, however, you must buy back every firstborn son. So now he went back to the people, went from the animals back to the people. Why? Because the people, are we clean or are we unclean? We go all the way back to Adam. Remember what happened with Adam and Eve? And since then, we have all been unclean. So what has to happen for us? We have to be redeemed, bought back. Now, this is the principle of the first. And you say to me, Harley, this is some Old Testament mumbo-jumbo. I skip over all this stuff. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't get it. So I just go to the stuff that makes sense. Well, let me help. let's understand this today. Let's help make some sense of this. We won't get it completely, but we can get it better. And you say, but Harley, I, I just, I, I'm just more into the New Testament, all these Old Testament laws and stuff, they just don't apply today. But listen to what the Bible says in the New Testament speaking about the Old Testament. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, it says, these things happened to them, these stories, everything in this Old Testament, because it's speaking of the Old Testament, these things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us those who live at the end of the age, and that's us. So these things are there for us, to help us, to guide us, to direct us. So we can take even what's in the Old Testament and we can make some sense of it. We may not fully understand it, but we can make more sense of it even for today. So let's understand this so far. God said, give me your first. And of the first, we have the clean and we have the unclean. If it's clean... You give me the first. If it's unclean, you redeem it by taking something clean and sacrificing it in its place. Give me the first. The firstborn. So here's how that works. So a sheep had a baby. And that baby, because the sheep is considered in God's law here a clean animal, then that sheep would be sacrificed to God, the very first. It was sacrificed, okay? And if that first was sacrificed, then as that sheep would produce more babies later, the rest would be blessed. Give him the first, and the rest would be blessed. If that was a donkey, then that donkey is unclean. So when it has its first baby donkey then something clean had to be sacrificed, and it was, and then the rest would be blessed. Give God the first, and the rest would be blessed. 
Now let's take that to look at our lives in, in a few different ways. So this morning, let's say, give God the first and the rest will be blessed. And when I say blessed, that doesn't mean that everything else is going to go smoothly. It doesn't mean in the life of that sheep that all the, it's going to have a whole bunch and they're all going to be great and healthy and mature. It, it does, it's not saying that when you give God the first that your life is then up and to the right and everything else in your life works out amazingly and perfect. That's not what it's saying. It's saying when you give God your first, then God's blessing, His hand, is on your life. Give God your first, the rest is blessed. Now, how does that say anything to us? Let me give you a couple different ways here. Today is Sunday. It's the first day of the week. And you, along with me, have chosen to give God your first day of the week. And it doesn't mean that you're going to walk around in a meditative state all day long. It, it means that you have given Him this morning. You've given him your first, and the rest will be blessed. And you've chosen to do that. Give God your first of your week, Sunday, today, this morning, and the rest will be blessed. Does it mean that the rest of your week's going to be perfect? Absolutely not. But it means God's hand will be with you through the mess. Give God your first, the rest will be blessed. So we got Sunday. We, every single morning we wake up, we have a new first, don't we? And I'm going to suggest to you that you give God this year, not just the first of your week. I, I'm going to suggest that later on. Every Sunday, give Him your first. But I'm also going to suggest that you give Him the first of every morning. Give Him your first every day, and the rest will be blessed. Does that mean you're going to go to work and get a pay raise? No, nope, you might go to work and get fired, but God's going to be with you. And I would rather be God be with me in my mess than me be out there on my own for the rest. So give God your first, and the rest will be blessed. He'll be with you. He'll be walking with you. All right? So I'm going to encourage you to give God the first of your week every Sunday morning. I'm going to encourage you to give God the first of your day every single morning. Give God your first. The rest will be blessed. I'm going to encourage you to give God the first of your income. And I know that's the touchy one. And I know that's the tough one. But most of these passages that we're talking about are actually talking about wealth and about their income, their money. Now, we're making an application to Sunday and to every morning. But most of this is actually pointing to, and so we can't avoid that. So that's why, I'm, that's why it's in there. It's part of the first. The principle of the first. Give God your first, and the rest will be blessed. So they call these things first fruits, the very first of what we have. Listen to Exodus chapter 23, verse 19. So now they bring it home here for them because they were an agricultural community. Verse 19, as you harvest your crops... Bring the very best of the first harvest, the first fruits, that is, to the house of the Lord your God. Give me your first, he says, bring it to me, and the rest will be blessed. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. And then he says, and your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will be brimmed to the brim with new wine. He's saying, give me your first, and the rest will be blessed. Is he promising 
that everything's up and to the right, that everything is being great and dandy and delicious. No. But he's saying, I'm going to be with you. My hand will be on you. We'll be in this together. I'll be beside you. Now, this takes some faith. Think, think about the rancher for a moment. This takes some faith. Give me your first. He did not say, okay, I want you to take this sheep, and after it has ten babies, then select one of them and give that to me. He didn't say that. He didn't say, after you have comfortably grown your flock, then give to me out of your abundance, give me some of that. Guess what? No, he said, give me your first before there's ever any guarantee of success, before there's ever any guarantee that that's going to go well for you, give me your first. And that takes some faith. That takes a lot of faith. Give me your first. It's like when we give to God. We don't accumulate and create a savings account and then come back and give to God. He says, give me your first. Here's the thing. God is going to be first in this world whether we put him first or not. Listen to Genesis. Now, this goes way back. You say, but Harley, listen, listen, listen. Harley, I know this is, you're talking about the law though, and I can appreciate the old law and the Old Testament. But I've been saved by grace. I've been saved by grace, and Jesus came to abolish the law, to do away with it. Well, yes, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've been saved by grace, but no, he didn't come to do away with it. He came to fulfill it. And yes, we don't have to go and look at the letter of the law and follow that any longer. We don't. But I, what I'm sharing with you predates the law. Listen to this. It's in Genesis chapter 4, verse 3 and 5. This is before hundreds and hundreds of years before the law was ever written down. This principle was in place. Listen to what happened. Genesis chapter 4, very beginning. Genesis, the book of the beginning. Here we are in the fourth chapter, which is right after creation. Chapter 4. When it was time for the harvest, Cain. Now this is one of the sons of Adam and Eve. Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Number one, it was a gift. That's great. Very good. It was just some of them. Now contrast that with what we hear next. Abel also brought a gift. It was the best of his firstborn lambs. It's from his flock. And it says, And the Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but did not accept Cain and his gift. We can be puzzled and we can have reasons for why, but part of this puzzle and part of the reason why, maybe not the full, but part of it is this principle of the first. God requires our first. He says, I've asked you to manage everything, but you're going to bring back to me the first. And he accepted Abel's first fruits. But he did not accept Cain who said, Oh, I'm going to give you something at some point, sometime. 
He's saying, I want your first. I want your first. Leviticus, jumping into the law now, chapter 27, verse 30. One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether it's grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, it belongs to the Lord and must be set apart for him as holy. In other words, he says, give me your first. I've asked you to manage it all, to care for it all. It all belongs to me, but you're the manager. But then give me the first. So this shows up hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before the law. But then it shows up after the law as well. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. Don't, get, don't miss this point within this. Jesus said, What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Hypocrites, he calls them. For you are careful to tithe. So this is talking about the tithe. So they were giving. They were tithing. He said, you're careful to tithe even to the tiniest income of your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law like justice, mercy, and faith. And that's where we say, yeah, see, Jesus said, don't worry about it. Don't worry about tithe. That's the old law. Make sure you're doing these things. But then Jesus said this, you should tithe. Yes, he said, tithe, but don't neglect these important things. He said, yes, God requires your first. And, and we can say we're under the grace of God and we don't have to do the law, we don't have to ignore it, but what we're talking about is a principle that predates the law and a principle that Jesus said that postdates the law and it wraps around it on this end before the law, on this end after the law, and Jesus said, yeah, God requires your first. And if Jesus the one who died on the cross for me and paid the price for sin, my sin, if Jesus Christ says God requires our first fruits and He says it is to be given back to God, then that's enough for me. I, honestly, we could stop here because Jesus said that's what we are to do. And you know, we take the test of our, this worship test, we take it a lot. Every single Sunday morning, we wake up, we take a test. Are we going to give God the first of our week? And look, here you are. You're giving God the first of your week. As we come together here at the church and we just acknowledge before God, God, you are God and I am not. I have tried to run my life and it hasn't gone very well. So I'm going to let you be God. And I'm just going to follow you. So we gather as the church and acknowledge what Jesus did for us on the cross. And we worship him and him alone. And we're giving God the first of our week. In fact, I'm going to challenge you and encourage you to give God the first of your week this year. Give him your Sunday. Give him your first. We take the test every single day when we wake up whether we give God the first of our day or not. I, listen, I'm not putting a clock on it and tell you, telling you how much time to give God. That, that's not what this is about. 
I'm just asking, are you giving him the first? Will you? Every day we take that test when we wake up. Will you give God your first? Yes, maybe you need to get a cup of coffee <laughs> and wake up and not so you're, so you're I don't, I'm, this is, we're not being legalistic. We're just saying, will you give God your best of your first in the morning? Will you give it to him? We take that test every single day when we wake up. Every single time we get paid, every single time we get a paycheck, we take that test. Will we give God the first? And here's the thing. Somebody or something, someone is getting our first. Every Sunday morning, someone gets our first. Every single day when we wake up, we give our first to something or to somebody. And every single paycheck that we get, we give somebody or something the first. And God says, give me your first. Give me your first. Give me your first. And the rest will be blessed. He'll be with us. He's walking with us. What we do with our first of our day, our morning, our money, our week, what we do with our first points to who or what we worship. Give God our first, and the rest will be blessed. Doesn't mean He's guaranteeing you that you're going to hit the lottery that you're going to get a better job doesn't mean he's guaranteeing you a raise or a promotion. It just says you worship God with your first, the best, your first. And he's walking with you. I figure I could choose to live my life just the way I want and take all my first and do with them what I want. I could sleep in. I could do whatever I want with all my first. I could take the first of my income and just do with that what I want and then live on that. But I figure in my whole life, with my day and my week and my money, I figure that God can do more with my 90% blessed than I could do with my 100% cursed. And I'm going to encourage you in your life this year to put this into practice. The first belongs to God. It reveals our worship. Who's going to get our first? This principle belongs to God. It doesn't belong to us. Whether we choose to submit to it or not doesn't matter. Like gravity, it's there. Whether we choose to follow it doesn't matter. It's going to function. But I want you to be reminded that even God tithed. God gave us first. God tithe gave his firstborn lamb now let's be reminded was a lamb clean or unclean 
it was clean. And when the clean was born, you gave the first as a sacrifice, and the rest would be blessed. When you and I were born, were we born clean or unclean? We were born unclean because our roots go back to Adam. They go back to Adam, unclean. So what happened for the unclean? They had to be redeemed and bought back. With what? With something that was clean. God chose to buy you back, to redeem you with His first that was clean. Jesus, the Lamb of God, the Son of God, the only Son of God. God came here on this earth to live as He and only He could do to live clean. So that he could go to the cross for you and me. And redeem us, the unclean, buy us back. And we see that picture all the way back to the beginning of creation. This was not God's plan B. This was God's plan A all along. And we see it in this very law. The principle of the first. And it goes all the way back to Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel. The principle of the first. God sent His only Son to die on the cross to redeem us. And guess what? Give God your first. That was Jesus. And God freely died for us. He said, guess what? I'll take this one for everybody. Give Him your first and the rest will be blessed. And that's you and me. And God did that in faith. Just like we give God our first in faith, He did that in faith. The faith that said, one day you will have the opportunity to follow Him. You may or you may not, but I'm doing it on faith that you will choose yes. That you will choose Him. God gave His best for us. God gave His tithe. God gave Jesus, the Lamb, His firstborn sacrifice to redeem you and me. Our bottom line this morning says this. Give God the first and see what He does with the rest. Give Him your first. And this morning, I've already told you, we're going to ask you to think, to pray about, to talk to God about giving God the first of your week, every week, the first of your day, every day, and the first of your income. Every paycheck. And this is so much more than, a, than attendance. This isn't about attendance. And this isn't about supporting an organization. This is about worship. Because God said, worship me. Give me your first. Worship me with your first. And the rest will be blessed. And so here's what we're asking you to do as the next step. This week... This is the first week, I think, since we've started the church that we don't have a box for you to check this week. We're going to ask you to have this conversation with the Holy Spirit this week. Don't take my word for this. We're going to ask you to ask God's Spirit, what 
does this mean to me today? What does this mean to me today? Don't have, you're, you're going to have the feeling that you want to tell God, God, I'm willing to do this and this. God, I understand giving you the first of the week. I'm here today. I can do that. I can give you the first of my week, my Sunday. I can do that. And God, I'll do my best to give you the first of my day. But don't ask me to give you the first of my money. Don't ask me to do that. We'll have that tendency. I had that tendency. We all have that tendency to say, God, here's what I'm willing to do, but this is off the table. I'm just simply asking you, will you talk to God and say, God, what do you want from me? And I will say yes. About this whole give me your first thing. God, you tell me this, this week, this year, what, what do you want from me? What first do you want from me? And I'm going to say yes to you. Have that conversation with God this week. Don't be tempted. Don't fall into temptation to tell God, God, here's what I'm willing to do. Would you be brave enough to say to God, God, you tell me, and I'll say yes. Think about with me for a moment. I want to read this last passage because where we started in Exodus chapter 12, as we roll around to, to chapter 13, this is still about this, about the, the man who's worshiping God with his first. And when a sheep is born, he offers that first and gives it to God. So give God your first, the rest will be blessed. And he's been doing this, and his family's been watching. They've been seeing what's happening. And, and, and as, as his children are growing up and watching this, they don't understand. It's like it seems counterproductive that we're actually giving away this flock. Why would you give it away? This doesn't make sense. We're trying to raise sheep here. Why are you giving them away? And listen to how God explains this. In chapter 13 of Exodus, verse 14 and 15, he says, Moses is telling the people this. This is what God told him. He said, verse 14, And in the future your children will ask, What does all of this mean? And then you will tell them, With the power of his mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, the place of our slavery. Verse 15, the Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, so the Lord killed it. And he goes into, here's how it all happened and how it all began. Now, imagine with me for a moment. You being able to sit down with your grandchild or your child, Mom, Dad, they say, or Grandpa, or Grandma. What is this all about? Why, why, why do you go to church every Sunday? Why, why do we have to do that? Why, why do I see you reading your Bible every morning? What, why, why do you write that check out to the church? Why? you're able to say this well dad dad was not always a Christ follower and there were times in my life you, you may not know this you probably don't know this but there were times in my life that I was pretty bad but God with a mighty hand delivered me And that is why I always give God the first portion of everything he's given to us.
the first of my day, the first of my week, the first of my income. Because God delivered me with a mighty hand. Let's pray. God, we have been born naturally as selfish, naturally wanting to serve ourselves and to do what we want and to spend our time and our energy and our money the way we want to. But God, as a Christ follower, I am now a born-again giver. And that's a change that only your spirit is making and going to make and continue to make in my life and the lives of my friends here today. And God, we recognize this as a matter of faith. In fact, your word tells us that faith comes by hearing your word. And God, I'm praying that your word will give faith to every single person, myself included, who are here today. And that we in our lives, in our week, in our day, in our families, in our finances, we will choose, God, to put you first. And God, this morning, some may be here for the very first time and putting you first. And saying, God, I haven't been following you, but I need to choose to follow you today because of what you did for me on the cross. And I need to say yes to you because you redeemed me. And God, those who are recognizing that for the first time are simply submitting themselves to you, even some at this very moment. And their hearts right now are saying to you, God, you can have my life because you died and rose again for me. And I'm choosing to follow you from this day forward. So God, we thank you that you give us the privilege of worshiping you with our first. And in the name of Jesus, our Savior, the Lamb of God, the first Son of God, the only Son of God, who died on a cross for me and rose again three days later. In his name we pray, the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Amen.